What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Evan Grant, and he is Barry Horn. Finally, this time you didn't interrupt me. That's great. Welcome into the Ballsy Podcast this week. We have no Kevin Sherrington, but we're much better off. We have Daryl Moose Johnston on the phone with us from LaGuardia. Uh, that would be the airport, Barry. You know, when I when I, when I thought about having Daryl on, I texted him, and I thought, who'll be sitting at home on Tuesday morning having watched the game last night? He worked Sunday's game. He'd be home yesterday. And, and lo and behold, he tells me, no, I'll be at LaGuardia Airport trying to get home today. So <laughs> well, I assume you made some multi-billion dollar business deal yesterday in New York. That's why you had to, that's why you had to fly in there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Working for a big hedge fund up here on the side. <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> but you did have time to watch the Cowboys last night, right, Daryl? I definitely did, yes. Um, quick takeaways on that? Uh, I thought the response was slow to get underway, but uh, but good when the game was over. So uh, that was the biggest thing that we've been looking at as a group this year. We've had a game every week that the previous week something has not been up to par, so it's always been the response the following week. So with the Cowboys coming off that tough loss uh, in Denver, uh, especially up front with the offensive line, I was really focused to see how that matchup was going to work out. And we had Arizona the first two weeks, so um, you know I know a little bit about them. Um, you know, it's a different defense than what they saw at Denver. It doesn't have the size up front, but it has speed and athleticism throughout. So it was going to be a different challenge for them. But I was interested to see uh, how the offense responded, and number one, how that offensive line did, and then the defense, uh, obviously the running game, um, which I think Denver has a much stronger running game. I believe it's going to be uh, as big a challenge against uh, Arizona without David Johnson. But I, but I did want to see how those young guys stepped up on the back end. And I think as the, as the Cowboys can walk away from last night's game or, or the Monday night game, feeling pretty good about the response of the team overall. Are you are you like I was watching the first quarter of that game thinking, what the heck is going on? The offense, the defense. I mean, I, 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 was, I was sitting there thinking, you know, it would be 48-0 by the end of the game. But that's, that's just me being an overreactive moron? I think um, Arizona did the same thing to Detroit. They came out in the first game of the season and had an opportunity to have that game, 17-0, 21-0 at halftime, and it ended up being, I think, 13-7. Uh, kind of the same situation last night. That game very easily could have been 14-0. Uh, they have the touchdown call back on a penalty. Uh, then they missed the field goal after sure. that on that same drive. So missed opportunities by Arizona with a position to jump out 14 to nothing against a team that's trying to figure out, hey, was last week just an aberration or do we have some issues here? You, you, you further plant those seeds of doubt 
uh, the Cardinals can do that. So I, I think it's very fortunate, and I think all of a sudden you see kind of that tide turn uh, after they uh, they missed that field goal. I, you see Rod Marinelli go to a three-down defensive line, uh, playing six guys in coverage, a dime package, two linebackers. It gave the Cardinals fits, especially up front. Um, amazing that they were able to get the pressure they got on Carson Palmer with just three guys rushing. All of a sudden now you see the offensive line starting to exert its, its strength against that front of the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, there's going to be an ebb and a flow to every game. And when there's an opportunity to seize back momentum, it's very important that you do that. And that was one of the things that I thought Dallas did a great job. You know, you can sit there and should have been up 14 nothing. We missed some opportunities and made some mistakes. Yeah, that's true. But I think the response to Dallas in that situation to get right back into that football game was impressive. I'd be remiss if we, I didn't ask you about the national anthem. Um, what was what, what are your thoughts on that, and how do you think the Cowboys handled it? Well, I thought they handled it uh, as well as you could last night by showing the unity that I think was the biggest message that the NFL was sending over the weekend, uh, more so than complete support by the players in the NFL that choose to protest during the anthem. I think the way I saw it and what I took away from it with ownership, you know, Jerry Jones, Chad Kahn, uh, the Bidwells, you know, a number of owners around the league standing arm-in-arm with their players, with their coaches, uh, whether kneeling or standing, was just trying to get the NFL family, the unity in the NFL family together and say that the comments that were made Friday night by President Trump were unacceptable. It was too general, uh, and you painted with a broad stroke, and, and you insulted uh, and accused a lot of the players uh, in this league that do tremendous things in the communities uh, and painted them in a bad light. So they did that the right way, and then they went back. They allowed the flag to be unrolled to sing the anthem, and then, as usual, one of only six teams in the NFL right now since this has started to have everybody stand during the course of every single national anthem that has been sung since Colin Kaepernick uh, started this back in uh, back a few years ago. So um, I love what Jason Witten said. I have the exact same feeling uh, that Jason Witten does. Um, I have family in the military. I have good friends in the military. Uh, I see the pain in their eyes uh, knowing that their comrades that have that have died for this country to protect that flight, to protect the rights of the citizens in our country, and how troubling it is to them. Um, so I will always have a special place uh, for me during the anthem with the flag out there. So I do disagree with the protest that these players are taking because I think the message is getting jumbled and confused. They will continually say this has nothing to do with the military, but the military, the flag, and the anthem have been so strongly tied to sporting events since 1918. You people to separate that and I think that their message is getting lost so uh, I would love to see these guys uh, get together with the NFL uh, and find some common ground on this topic because whether the NFL wants to admit it or not uh, it is impacting ratings people go to a football game to get away from the political controversy in our country today and they don't want to be reminded of it so the NFL and the players really need to take what they created this weekend and continue to push this conversation forward and find a resolution that works for, for both sides. I had the uh, so I had the Rangers this weekend in Oakland, and Bruce Maxwell, the A's catcher, became the first MLB player to take a knee during the anthem. And he, he took a knee uh, on the foul line, hand over his heart, hat over his uh, hat and hand over his heart, looking at the flag. Uh, you know, if a guy was going to take a knee, 
it certainly was in the quote unquote most respectful way possible. But what I found most interesting in all of this, Daryl, was that immediately, and I think we saw this to some degree with the Cowboys too, that there was immediate rushes to judgment. And I think your point about that the message has gotten somewhat jumbled is significant here because I think that there's been a lot of of, uh, of public uh, clamor, and I think in, in some regards the way the president's comments came out was that these have been protests against the flag or against the anthem or against the military, and I think the players, uh, I, it would be nice to see a better explanation of of the protests or make it a little bit more clear on the players' part because I do think that the, a lot of the general public has misconstrued what the message is here. Uh, yes. That's, I think that's what you're getting at, too. Yes, I, I think the message has been lost. I mean, statistics bear out some of the social uh, injustices that these, these players are protesting uh, during the course of the anthem. Um, so, you know, I don't think anybody that, that takes offense to them protesting the anthem doesn't understand that. Once you look into everything, but you've got to do a lot of research and you've got to do a lot of listening. And I think once you do that, you can understand their perspective, but your, your complaint is, why do it there? I know this is your platform. Um, you're, you're a high-profile athlete, and, and I guess you think this is the best opportunity for you to gain recognition for people to hear what you're protesting about. But then I think we don't follow through to find out exactly what they're protesting about. So that's why I think that, you know, the NFL, the guys that are protesting, need to get together. You bring in people from the military. You bring in people that support the side of the players who are protesting and the statistics that they're, they're talking about. You get that entire group together, and you listen to stories, and you listen to their conversation and try to reach some common ground. Um, but, because but, this is something that's going to hurt the league moving forward. You know, Darryl, I'm, not, I'm not even sure that would work anymore because if reaction now, it's, it's everybody. There's no middle ground. There's nothing. Nobody wants to hear what anybody else has to say in this Twitter, Facebook, instant fake news world. No, there it, is just a lot of yelling. There's just a, everybody wants to yell at everybody else. You know, I looked at my, at my Twitter feed last night, and people are going, "I'm never watching a cowboy game again." Other people are saying this is the greatest greatest thing I've ever I've ever seen. And in fact, one one of somebody on Twitter who follows me or I follow them, I'm not sure he goes, "I'm never watching a cowboy game again." I'm turning the TV off, and then in in, in the in the second quarter, he's commenting about the play calling. It was it was bizarre. <laughs> the thing, the, well, he lasted he lasted for a whole twenty minutes. Yeah, but I, I think you saw to some extent exactly what we're talking about last night in that the Cowboys came out to make their their statement of unity and they took they, they, they all took a knee as a group before the anthem was played before the flag came out and the crowd immediately booed them and there was nothing that they were doing that could be even in any way interpreted as wrong unless you were making a prejudgment there that they were going to stay on the ground for the anthem, and that's well, of where course, I think that, we, and that's what they were, weren't they? People thinking that? Yes, I, I think that's oh, what that, people that, were thinking. That's why yeah. they would start booing. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree. That's what everybody was thinking. Uh, but, I, I, you know, you, but you can't you can't go to Twitter though, Barry, right? Because I, I, I give you a story. You know, I've told the, the story about Troy uh, for a couple of years now. Him doing a Philadelphia game where you know he gets a tweet from somebody that's a Cowboy fan that says, "I can't even believe you played for our team. You're so critical. We can't do anything right." And then right behind that is a Philadelphia fan that says, you're such a homer. Dallas is 
you know, they can't do anything wrong. And then just this past weekend, I got the same thing. I had a tweet from somebody. They came in one after the other. Daryl Johnson is one of the more underrated broadcasters in the country. Glad to hear him on the Lions game. Right behind that is you are the worst announcer. You should never be allowed to broadcast another NFL game the rest of your life. Well, so it's not what people say, it's what people hear. And that's, that's the breakdown in, in our country. And, and it goes straight to this whole anthem discussion. It's not what's being said, it's what's being heard. And I don't think people listen well anymore. I think they hear things, but they don't listen. And, and, and listening is a skill that we've lost because we're a video-driven generation. Well, i I just give you one very quick example from my personal experience on Twitter on Saturday. I, as soon as Maxwell kneeled, I, I retweeted the story that, that Susan Sluster from the San Francisco Chronicle had done in which she had already talked to him previously before the game about his plans. And then right after that, I just backed it up with one tweet that said, FYI, Bruce Maxwell is the son of a U.S. serviceman and was born on, he was born in, in Wiesbaden on, on the Army base there. And that's all it said. It, it didn't make a judgment one way or another. I've never had such passionate uh, commentary one way or another on anything I've ever done. And, and I mean, I'm a baseball guy, you know, but this became, yeah. I, I think it had 16,000 retweets by the end of the weekend. Wow. And I've wow. never had anything like that. And, and I, I it's it, because I, in, in some respects, people who are saying, OK, this this resonates with me because since he is the son of a serviceman, it's OK. And it also resonates with the group of people who are saying, well, even he can disrespect the flag. And, and that's they, they hear and take out of the message what they want sure. to So So, yeah. Darryl, you have the Cowboy game Sunday, the noon kickoff uh, Cowboys at. I believe we're home. You'll you have to stay home against the Rams. Do you it's think this? Do you think this will be a a big part of, of the story by Sunday, or and and how will you approach it? Uh, well, I think it's still going to be a big part of the story Sunday because now everybody wants to see what's the next step. Was this just a demonstration one weekend based on the comments by President Trump, or has this whole conversation shifted into a different direction? So. I think there will be a lot of people watching to see if the number of protesters has increased, decreased, uh, stayed relatively the same, and then people will spin their perspective based on that. Um, I hope that the, that the unity continues. Uh, I actually found that, uh, I found that uh, really important. Um, there's things in the NFL family right now that are important to me. Uh, with the uh, kind of the backdoor election of DeVore Smith as head of the NFLPA, executive director of the NFLPA, with Cyrus Mary out there trying to have a true democratic process to open it up to an election. So I hope that this whole unity thing continues in that direction and we take it into other avenues of what's going on in the league. So that, that's all I'm looking for right there. We, we, don't, we don't worry about the politics. Our group functions based on the idea, and, and we, were, we were told to show the anthem. Uh, in its uh, in, in its entirety on Sunday, we we were not going to do that, uh, and, and I don't think the network was going to do that until everybody heard how big of an issue this was over the course of last weekend. So I'll have to wait and see what we do this weekend. Will we show the anthem in its entirety this weekend? I, I hope not. I hope we're getting back to football. Um, I, I think the point was made last weekend, uh, and we can move on from there. Uh, let the other people who are around the country watching this issue from a perspective. Uh, that they're trying to, to create their narrative on it, uh, to see how more people are now kneeling or protesting uh, or arms in the air or sitting down. Uh, our group wants to keep this about football. We understand on Sunday afternoon that people watch football for an escape, to get away from all the politics and the division that's in our country. So we're going to just give you a football game uh, if the network allows. 
Uh, I've, I've been to concerts uh, over the last year, and I, I pay money for a ticket to go to a concert to be entertained, to hear your political views. And, and I went to a Roger Waters concert this year and, and, and was just dis- disgusted, disgusted right. uh, at, at the concert that was on. Uh, it, it, was, it was completely unacceptable for anybody, especially somebody outside of our country that come in and throw politics in, in, the, uh, in the audience's face like that when all I wanted to do was hear the music of Roger Waters. So, um, you know, things like that, they, they hit home to us. So we've got friends on our crew that are Bruce Springsteen fans and are kind of wavering on whether to go to a Springsteen concert uh, because it becomes a political rally uh, from time to time. We want this weekend to be strictly about football. We've got an up-and-coming Rams team uh, with a quarterback who has found a great second chance uh, having Sean McVay come there. You know, having Robert Woods, having Sammy Watkins uh, brought into that team to have more weapons around him, to have a healthy Todd Gurley, better offensive line. Uh, and, and the one of the things I'm looking for, I cannot wait to see Zach Martin go up against Aaron Donald. Um, it's going to be one of the best that we'll see all season long with interior offensive and defensive linemen. So there's so much football for us to show the viewer uh, and to leave all that other stuff on the sidelines uh, and just give you three and a half hours where you can be entertained and escape. Well, I, actually, I think the most disturbing thing I've heard so far today is that you're apparently a Pink Floyd fan. <laughs> How can you not be? I, I, and I take them both. I take, uh, you know, I take uh, Roger Waters and David Gilmore. I take them both. I, I, the, one band I could never get into for some reason. I just never could. Um, yeah, he's a little, he's a little dark. Yeah, I, I, I've read a little bit about what what he's done on um, on tour, and it, it, it has been, in some ways, more of a political rally than, than anything else. But <laughs> yeah, we should give the heads up. I'd save some money. Yeah. So, so here was the one thing. There, I, I want to get into the Rams for for a second, but I just want to finish up on one thing. You, that game was interesting uh, on the anthem side because you did have the 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 singer Neil at the end. How did you guys handle it? Like, how much did you end up speaking about the protests and, and everything in, in the course of broadcasting that game? In the Detroit-Atlanta game, as soon as the anthem was over, we never it again. Never brought it back up? No. We went to commercial, came back, did the open, and then we kicked off and we played football. That that was such a the, – the, tour, the match at quarterback, it was such a terrific game that uh, – went, went back. Oh, gosh, forth. right? Why would, you want to, why, why would you want to talk politics when we've got Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford? But what ha- what happens if if the Cowboys go out thirty four nothing on on Sunday and and there's little to talk about? Do you, do you feel the need to to re- to readdress this or just you're you're just talking? You just want to talk. They're you just want to do your job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that if, if the Cowboys jump out thirty four nothing, boy, there's so much stuff to talk about. <laughs> you know, and those are the hard those are the hardest things to do. Um, you, you bet. Know, the one we had last week at thirty twenty six. Even with that crazy, you know, overrule overturn at the end of the game that, that took the game from the Lions and gave it to the Falcons, you know, those are the easy games. You just stay out of the way. Uh, the thirty-four nothing, those are difficult, and you've got to be prepared to talk a little bit more in depth on topics that aren't, uh, you know, snap to snap or quarter to quarter. So we would get into some conversation, but it'll all be football driven. There's plenty to talk about on both sides, um, uh, the Cowboys and the Rams at thirty-four nothing. Um, you know, to, to fill a, a game that's slow and, and, and kind of decided. And, um, you know, it, it, I, we don't have to go to an anthem 
faith-based conversation. We don't have to get into we don't have to get into any of that pregame stuff. This this Los Angeles team this surprise you? It does. It really does. Um, I I thought I thought that Jared Goff had gotten very lucky having Sean McVay come in. Uh, you know, we had done a lot of Redskins games during Sean McVay's time there, and we had watched the growth of Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. Uh, but but I did not realize how big of an impact it was going to make on Jared Goff and, and the strides that he would make so quickly. Now there's a better offensive line up front. Uh, there's better skill players around him. Todd Gurley's healthy. Uh, the defense is has uh, got Wade Phillips, you know, calling the shots. So it's it seems to be a much sounder organization, a much sounder team from offense, defense to special teams with John Fossil running special teams. Um, so. Yeah, surprising that they're two and one. Surprising that they scored over forty twice already. Um, but I did expect improvement. But this is a team that is, in my opinion, is, is much further down the road than I thought they would be going into Week Four. So, um, you know, this this is going to be a tough. This is going to be a tough game for Dallas. I think that the strengths of the Rams uh, are, are, are able to kind of challenge the weaknesses uh, of the Cowboys right now. I was impressed by. Uh, Jordan Lewis and Xavier Woods last night uh, bounced back from that Timber game. They're, they're going to see another really good group coming at them uh, again this afternoon, and uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit better running game. So you know you've got to you've got to watch that box a little bit more. You know you have to add the eighth man uh, at some point because Todd Gurley's having a good day and, and, and lessening yourself. You know what are the what's the injury situation? You know where is uh, uh, a Where is uh, where is Carroll? this week going into this game. Uh, your numbers are thin. So uh, I, I think that this is going to be a good game. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, Dallas, you know, if they can get that running game going, that's the one area that this Rams defense is not really kind of fit in yet. They, you know, going from a 4-3 to a 3-4, there's going to be some run fits and some style of play across that defensive line that are going to take a little bit of time to get used to. And right now it seems like the running game is the one area that they're struggling yeah. uh, with this transition. You know what nobody's talked about, or, or I haven't heard much talk about yet this season or in the last couple of weeks, is CTE. Uh, you know, it's like it's almost like there's got to be an off-field issue for, for – well, it's not really an off-field issue, but, it, but an issue for people to, to talk about other than the game itself. Uh, you, you're very active in, in that – in that community, aren't you, Daryl? Yeah, yes, I am. And what's the late? What's the latest? Well, I, I would like to ask people to go out and read uh, the McKee study that she released right before training camp. I mean, download the study itself and print it out and read it, um, or, or just go online. And, and, and if you don't want to read the whole thing, if it's medical jargon, it's not your deal. Um, just go to the last uh, the last two pages and look at the conclusion uh, because it's a very inflammatory headline that she drops right before training camp starts where 99% of NFL players tested all had CTE and they get to the end of that study and find that there is a, it's a biased sample. Uh, there is no ability to, to uh, reach any conclusions based on the findings of this because of the biased study. So she kind of has this inflammatory headline that everybody grabs a hold of and then discounts it in the very, very end of the study. But nobody wants to report about that. They just want to report about the 99% of people that have CTE. And then Aaron Hernandez, you know, has, right. has CTE, and maybe that, you know, played a role in, in, in his, his, in his life. Um, they've got stages of CTE, one, two, three, and four, where stage one represents uh, other uh, neurological uh, myopic, uh, uh, order disorders uh, that are already out there. So, you know, I, I don't. We don't have everybody on the same page right now. We've, we've got very differing opinions 
number one, on what CT is right now, and then really, you know, to have some people saying that we can actually diagnose it before somebody has passed, it's, it's always been a post-mortem diagnosis right. in the past. So there's things changing with this uh, with this challenge to the NFL, and, and I don't think we're staying consistent. So I would like, it, it, it is very important, and I've seen, I've seen the concern from the wives of retired players and the retired players themselves about this issue moving forward. For their sake, we need to be much more consistent uh, and, and much more uh, empathetic uh, to what's going on. And, and, and I, I don't appreciate, uh, you know, the McKee group in Boston dropping a bomb right before training camp. A couple of years ago, they dropped a bomb right before Super Bowl. Their timing seems to have a separate agenda from the health and well-being of the NFL players, especially in the retired team. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I tell Troy Aikman Monday mornings when he, after he does a Cowboy game and he's upset. Maybe she didn't write the headline. You know, it's like, Troy, I didn't write the headline. You know, and, and he goes, Troy says, well, you should. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not Troy Aikman at Fox. I'm not the 300-pound gorilla who, who, who can tell everybody, you know, what to do. Where to. So maybe, maybe. She she didn't write the headline, or you know I don't know, but it's 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 just no. She did the interview though. She did yeah. the interview, and she can present the facts, but she also has to present her conclusion. And listen, I know the New York Times. There was a somebody wrote a piece about the New York Times that said the New York Times has written more articles about CTE than there is confirmed CTE cases in the history of of, of medicine. Um, so, you know, she knows what outlets to take it to oh, sure. to get her message out. And when the New York Times puts that headline in and they discount it in paragraph six, nobody reads paragraph six. They read the headline, form their opinion, and then it starts to spin through the news cycle. But so this I just ask people who are concerned about the game of football. There's, there's war has been declared on the game of football. Um, and, and I don't know why, uh, but it happened about six or seven years ago. And I, I, I owe a lot to the game of football. I feel I was as, as, a, as an ambassador of the game that I have a responsibility uh, when there is something that's not true to speak out about it. And, and I think that right now uh, there is a concern with CTE, but there's a lot of really good stuff going on with the game of football and how much safer it is today. And I tell parents all the time, this game has never been safer than it is right now. It's much safer than it was when I was a kid growing up. So don't have any fear that, uh, you know, your son should not play this game. You learn more about life skills and different things playing the game of football uh, than you do in most aspects of your your educational process. It's safer, but is it safe? That's That would be my question. What is what is safe? Crossing the street's not safe. Riding in a car's not safe. Swimming in a pool's not safe. There's nothing safe in this world. Barry? I think Daryl just set you up. I think I think I set him up. For, for, I, I gave I lobbed it into him and he he smashed it down my throat. Moose, I want to get back to football for one second here um, on the field. And here's my question: So the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys played a Giants team that clearly was undermanned without Beckham in, in the opener. They, they they did not look good against Denver in Denver in the second game, and, and they started slow but but came back against the Saint, uh, an Arizona team last night that that was missing a couple of, of big offensive pieces. Um, is any one of those games, do you think, indicative, most indicative of who this Cowboy team is, or do you have a feel for who this Cowboy team is right now? I don't. I do feel that, the, that September is the new August. The guys don't play enough in, in preseason anymore for yep. us to really form an opinion. So I think the first four weeks of the season – 
is kind of the opportunity for teams to start to click and to start to grow. Uh, I think after this Rams game, let's just you know everybody wants to break the season down into quarters. Let's just take the first four games right. and say that that's the new preseason in the NFL, the way that everything's structured from a business standpoint. We'll know at the end of this game uh, which one is true. Uh, you know, is it was it the, the you know the, the, the offense that we saw you know against the Giants team? But oh my gosh, who are the Giants really now? Oh, right. You know, what is Denver? Who is Denver? They, they beat Dallas forty-two seventeen. They go up to Buffalo and get beat. Um, you know, I mean, I, last weekend in the NFL, I think, really solidified that point, that we really have no idea who anybody is. Uh, maybe a few outliers at the top, like the Kansas City and, and probably New England, um, but really those, those are the outliers. You know, who is the NFL? And I don't think we know that until after four games and anymore I, because we just don't put enough effort into the preseason. I think you may get a, 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 the best possible um feel for who this cowboy team is in the middle third of the, or the middle what amounts to about the middle, middle third of the seed because middle you've court. got after this after this game you, your next six or, or your next five are san francisco i mean green bay san at san francisco at washington which has come out and really played well uh the chiefs yes. who, have, who who you just mentioned have played really well oh yes and then the, the, the at the falcons on november 12th so i i think that may be a real uh kind of the litmus test for who this team is and don't you want to know who, who that team is going into that schedule? You'd you like to, know, to, yeah. You want to know after week four, you know, what, what, do, what do we hang our hat on? Where do we still need to get a little bit better? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty tough road. And let me tell you what, don't sleep on at San Francisco. Right. Um, that, that's, a, that's a much improved team, and they play hard and they play fast. So are you, do you think that, that players don't play enough during the preseason at this point? I don't. I don't. Um, and... I think you can see it with the chemistry. Uh, you know, I, I would, I, I understand. Uh, they, we talked to Carson Palmer. You know, limiting his throws at practice, limiting his time. Uh, you know, during the course of the preseason games. Well, well, Carson Palmer's had a. He may feel better, but his chemistry and connection with his wide receivers is not where it should be right. coming out of preseason. So I, I just think we're missing out on some reps, and and maybe we we take a different approach at the practice sessions. But maybe you need to reevaluate about preseason, and. It goes into everything. Well, what if the guys get hurt? Yep. You, you can't play the game of football worried about getting hurt because if it's going to happen and, and there's nothing you can do to stop it and it's not the number of snaps that you're playing, uh, I think it helps with all the soft tissue, hamstring, groin injuries that are out there. There's a lot of things I think we can we can start to make a positive uh, effect on by just, uh, you know, not going back to the way we did it. Now, trust me, <laughs> I'm not saying that what we did in Austin, Texas was the right thing to do. Right. But I think that where they are right now is, is also not the right I think thing. we've it's seen something go to the other extreme on the pendulum. Yeah, I, I, I think Absolutely. really you have taken the starters completely out of, of preseason. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, Darrell, one last question. And, and then we'll let you go because we've held, kept you for far too long. Would you have liked to block for Zeke Elliott? I would love to. I would love to. He's very similar to Emmett. Uh, he trusts he trust the guys. He would trust the guys in front of him. I, I watched the way he hits the hole, even though it's a single back set a lot of the time. Right. Um, I, I watched the way he trusts his guys up front, so I, I would hope that he would have that same trust in me as well. And, and that, was, that was when Emmett and I really got into sync when – uh, you know, about about a, a season and a half into our relationship, our time together in the backfield, um, you know, sitting next to each other in film all those years, I, I understood how he saw the blocking in front of him. And then he started to trust me when I say play side. Uh, I trusted him to go out the back door, that he would be on my hip right behind me. Um, that, that's when it gets fun. And, and Zeke has that same style of trusting and hitting it 
uh, and getting downhill right away. I, I would I would love to be in front of him. So what should I look for? I'm sitting home watching the game on TV. I'm a little 18 inch black and white TV. What should I look for when Zeke when gets the handoff? What what's the first thing I should? What's the first thing you look for? What should I look for? Patience to the hole and then explosions through it. Uh, that was one of Emmett's great great trademarks and really a great trademark of every back. You don't want to be going full speed when you're getting the ball because you don't know based on formation, twists, uh, you know, matchups in front of you where that running lane is going to be. So being controlled and patient up until the point where you get the ball and then as that blocking scheme develops in front of you, the ability to, to change gears uh, and to have that gear to change into uh, and get through the hole and, and make an explosive, an explosive run. Well, I- Moose, I'm going I'm to assume you're in the Admirals Club in, in LaGuardia because it is extremely quiet. We haven't heard one announcement in, uh, in this whole half hour. Um, thank you so much for taking so much time today and, and, and for talking uh, about the, uh, the anthem controversy because that's clearly been a major story this week. And, and we'll look forward to uh, at least you won't have a whole lot of trouble. The Rangers probably won't draw anybody to Sunday's game, and, and so there won't be Who? any traffic issues. What team? On. What team? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Rangers are playing at home on Sunday uh, when the Cowboys are playing. So I know. A tough year for, for Jeff Bannister and the boys. It, it's been a tough year. We talked about this on the Rangers podcast. They just they're, they are a flawed club, and, and so many teams in the American League are flawed, and, and it, they just were a 500 club, and at some point in time that catches up with you, but it, it – I, I think they've gotten a pretty good start on on next year uh, in terms of starting to get some projects ad- addressed. But uh, anyway, it'll just make traffic in and out of there pretty easy for you. So um, <laughs> thanks again, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Daryl. You got it, guys. Yeah. You got it. Take care. That was uh, – he has a lot of opinions on a lot of different things, uh, the CTA, CTE, CTA. That's the Chicago Transit Authority. Yes, yes it is. C- the C- CTA, the, the, I thought he had very opinionated on the uh, national anthem. And we even got some football talk in. Yes, we did. And, and that, that I, it's, um, I mean, it is kind of where we are. You know, I've, I've heard so many people say I tune in to sports to escape politics. And I heard a lot of that this weekend. But when the president does put sports right directly in his crosshairs. There's no escape. It is unescapable. And, you know, this morning he, he tweeted that the NFL has all sorts of rules and regulations. The only way out for them is to set a rule that you can't kneel during the national anthem. And so all this is going to do is is continue this, this whole conversation, and we're going to have another week of, of, of this. I, the only thing I would say about all this is if you're going to protest, there's never a convenient time to protest. And – by protesting, you make people uncomfortable, and and that I think is 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 why the players chose the time of the anthem to to make their statement because it was the one time when people would actually pay attention when it would raise conversation. I do think the message has gotten convoluted because there has been this this blowback. But, but nobody used to pay attention to the national right. anthem. Uh, you know, as as, as Daryl said, networks never. Sh- Never showed the national anthem. They, they were in commercial. There was a Viagra commercial. There was a Cialis commercial. There was, there, were, there, was, there was something. There was something going on. There were six still photographers on the field during the anthem um, Saturday and Sunday for the Rangers A's, 
and every one of them was just Sh- sure clicking it- on on Bruce Maxwell. Um, and and that's that's just where we are. It, it, it is the um, uh, it's the hot button topic of of this week, and I just hope that at some point in time people actually sit down and start discussing the issues rather than than just the protest. And I think that's what Daryl was yeah was talking. But about. there's no, there's no discussions anymore. There there are ha- very few discussions these days. That's a lot of shouting. That's been the most disappointing thing about some of the interactions on on Twitter is everybody's rushing to judgment, nobody's rushing to listen. So, all right, let's wrap up the Cowboys podcast. We've still got colleges to do. Well, college, and we have a cow. And everybody should know we did it. We, we, do we already cow- did a Rangers podcast. Yeah, I know, but, 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 but people, yeah, just people who first. are tuning in to the Cowboys, they should can know also tune into the Rangers. Tune, tune into the Ranger podcast right. where we kind of talk about the season as, as it has unfolded. Your best apart. Rangers performance to date. You're, grade, you're grading me now? Yeah, it was a really good Rangers podcast for you. Wow! Thank you. You were patient. Took some pitches. You found your found what you wanted. So, to you, are you are you likening me to Rugio Dor? I never, I, I would Rugi never Odor? compare you to Rugio Dor. Who would that be an insult in, to? Me or Rugi? In except in hairlines. Who would that be an insult to? Me or Rugi? Rugi. We got to go now. All right. Bye. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.